Emily Hertenstein is a graduating senior from Baylor University in December 2020, majoring in psychology with a minor in leadership development. Combining her research in psychology along with her passion for people, she has focused her undergraduate career on industrial organizational psychology. She recently just accepted a job offer from Sendero Management Consulting in Dallas, where she'll be working full-time after graduation. This episode is filled with humor, laughs, loves, and great insights. Tap in. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of Campus Cuts, an intergenerational, multicultural show that brings students, faculty, athletes, entrepreneurs, and entertainers to the barbershop to be able to chop it up about diversity, equity, and representation, and much more. Today, I got a special guest. I got a great friend of mine, a great colleague, um, one of the kindest, somebody, great leader, somebody that has embodied leadership kindness, but also somebody that's, you know, about to enter the professional world and has such a great perspective about a bunch of things. And so without further ado, I want to introduce the show today. Emily, what is up? <laughs> Thank you. That was a great introduction. Wow. I feel so great. I'm like ready to go now. Thanks for that, Tananka. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 because it's true. It's facts. It is um it's true you know so i'm glad that introduction that you enjoyed it because you know what it is true and you know we, we speak life over here so man i just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to get on the show um it means a lot that you're taking out your schedule your busy schedule as you're especially about to approach graduation and adulthood like yeah. whoa <laughs> don't say that anymore <laughs> Wow. Wow. So, of course, you know, I was able to introduce you a little bit. So now it's your time to introduce yourself. What is your name, your year, your major, and your hometown that we dive to it? Yeah. So I'm Emily Hertenstein, a senior here, graduating in about two-ish weeks from Bailey University. Craziness. Um, majored in psychology and leadership development. Um, and then a ton of research in social personality psychology. Um, and I'm from La like Laverne, California, which is around Pasadena, Los Angeles area. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. You got Cali in the house. And there's so much to unpack there. Um, first off, congratulations. You're two weeks away. Okay. So wait, it's only November 5th. But why do you say it's two weeks away from graduation? Yeah. So two weeks from today, I have my last in-person class. Um, and then we'll move to Thanksgiving break. And then we'll do some virtual finals. And then... I'm done, no graduation or anything. So uh, two weeks from today, I guess I'll be doing my last in-person classes, so. Okay, okay, wow. So um, how do you feel about that? You, I mean, I know everybody like in, in today in our society, everybody's like, okay, yeah, college, college, college. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it kind of seems like, you know, whether you're on LinkedIn or whatever, it kind of seems like, you know, college isn't as big of a deal, but you know, graduating from university is a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you feel, you know, about to embark and close this chapter? Yeah. Um, one, I feel like I'm 12 years old still. So I'm like kind of crazy. Like, oh my gosh, I'm about to graduate college. But then again, I mean, looking back on like how much I've changed and grown since freshman year, even since high school is incredible. And 10 out of 10 recommend going to college 
for everybody. Um, that's a whole nother chapter if you wanna talk about how everyone's going to college and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, you just learn so much um, about people and you get to meet people like Tanaka, who's just amazing and um, uh. <laughs> so much. Um, and so, yeah, I'm about to leave, um, which is gonna be weird not to have homework um, or anything like that starting in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, it feels good. Um, it just, it feels like I'm an adult. Adult world's kind of hitting me, kind of hit me hard. Right. Uh, then that 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 is still so wild because you know the idea of seniors you know everybody says it all the time you know what college is the best years of your life or college is gonna go by so fast and i'm like what you guys are tripping i'm no but it does go by very fast <laughs> definitely especially with covid because that hit you know in the spring so i really got two spring semesters my whole time at Baylor because I graduating early and then um, with COVID. So I've got two basketball seasons to, you know, DL. So if you guys are Baylor students, you know. Um, so it's just kind of crazy um, that it's all coming to an end so fast. Right, right. So um, with that, what was your, how did you find out and what was your journey getting to Baylor? Uh, what was that experience in? You know what? Like, especially, I know, like, that was the, because I remember when I first started the podcast, this was all about, you know, a Baylor like, meeting. So, what's your journey? What's your idea on how has it shaped you? But of course, it's grown and whatever. But we're going back to the roots, y'all. Going yeah. talking to a friend of mine. But, like, how did you get into the Baylor? And, like, what was your journey up to this point? Yeah. So, I think my whole life I played sports mainly basketball um, and thought that was kind of the journey I was going to go in um, after graduation stuff and kind of hit me fast that that's, I wasn't as skilled as I probably thought I was in my little bubble, um, honestly. Um. And um, ended up breaking my foot. All this crazy stuff happened and such God's timing. Um, the guy who broke my foot is the only guy from my hometown area that ever went to Baylor. Um, he was a rugby captain here. Uh, broke my foot and starts telling me about the school he goes to. And I'm like, there's no way the school exists. Way too great. There's no way it's actually Christian. There's no way it actually is small, but it has great sports. Yada, yada, yada. Um, and then... I got an email like a couple weeks later that someone had put my name in for the Christian Leadership Institute at Baylor University. Mm. I think it was the first times I've been recognized for something other than doing well on a test or performance in a sporting event, but like my leadership capabilities, which right. I thought was really, really cool. I felt like I was actually being noticed as a person. Um, so I said, well, why not? I'll come out here for a week, stay on campus. Um, and if you know, I don't end up going here, still looks good in a college application. So flew out to Waco from California. I was one of the only California people there. Um, was crazy. He was like 17 years old. I was on crutches and all that stuff. <laughs> and I showed up and within like two hours of meeting people and hearing really what Baylor stands for and what they're about and just seeing the, how gorgeous the campus was, I was like, I'm going to Baylor. No doubt about it. Went to the bookstore, spent $250 on Baylor clothes, was like, let's go. Um, and then realized I stopped to apply and all that stuff. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it worked out great, though. It worked out great. 
Wow. Wow. And you know what? You actually raised a great point about, um, and that was actually something that, you know, this is a perfect You folks seen signs your sporting capabilities. Um, obviously, you are a standout stud athlete at your high school. What sport? What sport? Basketball. Basketball. She's a baller, y'all. <laughs> but <laughs> no, um, you know, Talk about like the idea because you know, of course, you know, you see people like LeBron James, you see people like Serena Williams and everybody else pushing the narrative like, hey, more than an athlete. And I mean, of course, you know, your athletic capability and your athletic gifting did play a large part into like, you know, um, your identity. I remember talking on season one with Trey Mena, who played college sports, you know, whatever before transferring about that. Like sometimes for some people, you know, especially we're really good at putting people into boxes, yeah. right? And it's kind of funny because you're playing a sport that is predominantly of people of color, black yeah. people, who, um, and then so you're a white girl playing basketball. Yeah. And then after that, so that, that's kind of like you're outside of minority. And yeah. then after that, now you're trying to come in, try to go to college. And then after that, it's like, oh, okay, am I, you know, I'm still not as seen as, you know, I'm just seen as an athlete. Talk yeah. about that tension. Talk about how you were able to overcome the, that identity cycle and all that. Yeah, okay, I have so much to unpack with that. So I'll try to go a little. One, identity, I think is huge. So people come right. to college and they're like, well, at least at Baylor, I, I've seen, I don't wanna speak for everybody, but at least at Baylor, I've seen people come to Baylor because they're standouts for academics, right? Or they're standouts in their community for service-wise. They're standouts for social justice. They're standing up, you know, whatever there is, they're, they're Everybody can see them and that's their identity from, from home. Well, they come to Baylor and you were an athlete in high school, so that's your identity. Well, you come to Baylor and yeah, everyone here that plays in the murals probably was on a varsity team in high school. And everyone here probably made a 3.5 or above in high school. You know, or everyone here, they they are the top notch of their high school and that's why they're at a university. Um, right. And a lot of college students really struggle with, well, I was a basketball girl in high school. Well, I was, you know, the smart one in high school. Well, now I'm just average at Baylor. Um, and obviously not average as a person, but maybe average in class settings. Um, right. And I think that's something people really struggle with is finding that. And if I may speak to my faith, I mean, I think that's really rooted in like, you need to know that you are a child of God um, and that's your identity. And all these other superficial worldly, worldly things are, you know, great and stuff, but that's not your identity. Playing sports is not my identity. Um, or anything like that. And I and I think that that's a main thing that a lot of people struggle with coming in um, to, to high school or from, from high school to college um, is not knowing really where they stand or not feeling, I guess, special enough uh, in, a, in a situation where they don't really stand out. So finding yeah. a niche of where you do, where you can stand out, where you, you can not put your identity in, but where you can be seen. I mean, that's really important. That's what shapes you. If, if I, you know, if you everybody does other things. Like I kind of dove right into work. I mean, you know that you worked with me. That was kind of my thing. You know, everyone knew me as like one of the tour guides and things like that. And I think everybody kind of needs that, that something maybe um, you work for Habitat for Humanity or you do like okay, social justice things. That's your niche. You need to find your niche in college to have a sense of identity outside of being the best at a sport. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's for anybody that's listening, who is entering college, who's still in college or even outside, like, you know, even professionals mm -hmm. I know in life is sometimes I remember hearing a quote. What was it? It's like, don't let 
what you do dictate who you are mm -hmm. because who you are first is um is a um is the indicator and what you do is a byproduct of that yeah. and i think it's important for us because you know too many times you know we got we we're bombarded with from social media from linkedin from like resumes and life and all this stuff like we have to be this way and i have to feel like i have to attach to that and yeah. i mean of course you know because in life we need to try like i mean if anybody's an anthropologist you need to kind of find a way like to identify and try to figure yeah. things out and at least you know it's really good but our identities rooted in the worldly stuff shouldn't yeah. necessarily be um what drives us because yeah. you know we're we're completely i say it like this we're multi-dimensional beings because mm -hmm. we've been created. If you believe in God, you've been uh, me, you and I were believers. Yeah. But even if not, you, you say that you came from atoms. You were made up from all this stuff, mm -hmm. and you were created, and you're condensed. But like, you have a whole soul that is so multi-dimensional. Yeah. You have, you can like all this stuff, and you can be like this, and feel like yeah. sometimes work try, or other things try to cut that away. What's mm -hmm. your What's your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think that that reminds me of a really great TED Talk that I've, I've watched, and I don't remember the exact author of it, but the title is The Danger of a Single Story. Mm. Um, it talks about stereotype prejudices, um, and just in general, keeping one whole group of people uh, a single story. Um, so whether that's your own experience, experience you've heard on the news, whatever is, is your, your whole experience of this one person is a single story? I mean, that's so unfair and you're missing out on so much because, and that's how stereotypes grow into prejudice is right. you have a stereotype that this one group of people, this is the only story and all pe people in that group can tell that same story. No, it's not, that's not how it is. Um, and so remembering that people are a mixture of experiences, of genetics, of culture, of society, of economics, everything makes up a person. And, um, you are so multidimensional and give yourself that credit and also give other people that credit as well. That They also are made up of all that stuff. Right. Right. And, um, it's so, <laughs> this is so funny. Um, because, you know, right now in real time, we're still waiting on the election and, yeah. you know, everybody from all, everybody from all the news that I was like, Oh, this is the most divided time in the world. It's the most divided yeah. time in the country. Um, right. I, I mean, of course, you know, the, like the, that division is still predicated, but mm -hmm. I often feel like we, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna push stage straight up. Yeah. It's game mentality. It yeah. is a game mentality that has you know been separated due to algorithms, um, mm -hmm. and due to you know people standing these echo chambers, unfortunately. And we kind of lost touch. We kind of like lost touch of that. People multidimensional, and mm -hmm. so like for you, especially all the stuff that is great that has happened in, in through 2020. Um, what is your mindset and your mind frame in terms of being able to look at where we are today, like right now? Yeah, yeah. Um, I am an optimist, so I'm going to say some things that, um, that I guess are more hopeful than true. Um, right. but, but I truly believe most people believe about 85% of the same thing. So 85% everybody believes about, about yes. the same thing. You have about 10% of things that people are just probably never going to agree on. Like, it's just like, that, that's it. And 5% of things that people agree on, they just don't, they have different ways of getting to that place. Um, mm. I think everybody is pro-life. If you break down what, what you think pro-life is, everyone's pro-life. But what does pro-life mean? What's the definition of that? Are you saying, you know, well, you have to even break it down to, you know, 
what do you think life is um, to be? And then you can actually talk about things. But we get so much in this divided time that we um, are like, well, no, they said they're pro-life. I don't even want to talk to them. They said they're pro-choice. I don't even want to talk to them. Well, pro-life, does that mean just in the womb? Or are you talking about pro-life in society? Are you talking about, you know, so you have to break down these definitions to get on the same page to even talk about things um, because you there's so many hot button topic words and things like that that can drive emotion so much. Well, let's get back to the definition. What are we even debating about in the first place? Um, right. Then we can talk about more. Um, but I think it goes to so much psychology of in groups and out groups, um, which right. I on. So most places are always going to have in groups and out groups. That's just the way our minds work. That's the way culture is usually, and that's the way we've always had it. Um, in group and out group could be Democrats yeah. and Republicans. It could be Baylor students and UT students. It could right. be in a team, offense versus defense. It could be in society, black versus white, right? Whatever it is, someone's going to, they're going to be groups. Um, and until we break down black versus white or until we break down Democrat versus Republican and make it into something else, make it into America versus another country, that's how you unite people is make different in-groups and out-groups. Um, right. So it's it's hard. We're never going to, we're never going to grow together as a country if we're going to stick with these Democrat, Republican, and never try to break those groups. Or if we try mm -hmm. to if we have it as majorities and minorities of people. I mean, it's ne we're never going to grow. We need to break down those barriers and create different groups. Okay, we're going to have social justice people. And then we're going to have right. people who it, you know? But you need to have some sort of group that people can get behind and feel like a team. Um, and, and that's how you, I think that's how you unify people in that way. Yeah. And man, honestly, I really think you should give a TED talk one day. I honestly really feel like you are going to give a TED talk one day. And because, you know, you sound like Adam Grant. You sound like Angela Duckworth. You sound like Brene Brown. <laughs> and, um, and of course, I mean, I bet those are some influencers in you, especially as being a, you know, a psychology major. Um, and, you know, most people say, oh, psychology is just fake pseudoscience. But, you know, the study of the mind and the study of how people interact is very important in order to understand, like, the human behavior and how we operate in the life that we live. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is, um, why did you even get interested in psychology? Yeah. So I loved the brain. I've always loved science, but not quite biology or chemistry. Um, I never could find my niche, I think, in high school. So I think I... I never had a favorite subject. Did okay in all of them. Not really great though in any one. Um, and then went to college and, and thought about it a long time. And it's like, I love the brain. And I want to say neuroscience. So I came in as a neuroscience major. Um, not pre-med though, like nothing like that. You know, just wanted to study the brain. Um, and then I learned um, just how much like the brain has to do with how people interact with people um, and how if we want to heal this world, we need to heal people and how they get, get along with each other. I and mean, that's to me, the main, the main um, issue in the world is people not getting along, people not being able to come together for something. Um, I'm fascinated with human dynamics and things like that. Um, so I was neuroscience, discovered the field of industrial organizational psychology, which is what I'm going into. Um, and that is, prejudice in the workplace, teamwork dynamics in the workplace, business psychology, um, all that kind of stuff wrapped up in one. And I thought that was so fascinating because 
you can treat anything like a business, whether it's a sporting team or a group of friends or anything. Everything is a business, right? You, everybody has an end goal or, or a thing you want to accomplish and you have a team to do that. Um, and so that's what fascinates me with psychology is, is, I guess, just a hope that I can do some good in this world, um, whether that's in a business setting or um, helping people in some other ways. Um, psychology is something that just I fell in love with learning about in neuroscience. I love, uh, love parts of the brain and things like that. Um, so it's more of a passion that I think I can also see myself helping others with. But I mainly mm-hmm. got it because I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, that's true. And that's so true. And, uh, you know, likewise, and I really feel like that's why, you know, we first clicked when we first met. Yeah. And so um, about that, you know, you've had the opportunity, not just travel, but you had the opportunity to um, walk in different situations, mm-hmm. especially as a student leader, um, you know, worked in Waco, worked within the inner city, worked with this like, you know, um, social work groups and also work in like settings where, you know, that representation um, and a side that, you know, you work, walked in different rooms to sit yeah. and play. Yeah. And so what are some of the observations that you have noticed, especially when it comes to understanding human psychology when walking throughout like those situations? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I have, I think, I think I have a very, like, I've had a very interesting life, a lot of experiences, people be like, you did what, when, how? Um, and yeah, with traveling and all that kind of stuff, with traveling, I fell in love with cultures um, and, and, and love that and definitely have a heart for um, a lot of places, especially honestly in Africa and been to Zimbabwe, so shout out. Shout out Zimbabwe. <laughs> a heart for that but um honestly just just people are are so fascinating um and how we spend so much time in Waco Texas to fit into society that is going to be different when you drive 10 hours one way I mean you go to California and the culture and society is so different than than Texas and Texas to New York is so different and whatever and then you take Texas to London, you take Texas to wherever. I mean, we spend so much time trying to fit in and be cool and and wear the right stuff for society when it is so trivial. We go somewhere else, two-hour plane flight, and the shoes you're wearing now in Texas that are cool that you spent hundreds of dollars on, people think are weird. Um, And so (laughs) why are we trying and putting so much effort into into being so cool for society when 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 you're in when you're in Africa, they could care less that you were on the varsity basketball team, right? <laughs> when you're in Africa, they could care less that you spent three hundred dollars on a pair of Nikes, right? I mean, they're they don't care about those things. They care about other things. Um, and so, why are we why are we not trying to work on ourselves as people and being better people, not not better better culture members? I guess. I mean, you're you you shouldn't try so much on the, the trivial things, saying the right slang words or the right, you know, things like that, or wearing the right clothes or just driving the same cars as the people around you, because that stuff does not matter. I mean, right. it doesn't matter in the long run. Again, for my faith, it doesn't matter when I go to eternity and it does not matter in the worldly sense either. So. Yeah. And that's, and that's so good. I really love how you said that, you know, it doesn't matter um, in the long term, in the long game. Mm-hmm. But um, what 
what happens if somebody tries to challenge you and says that it does? Yeah. Have you experienced that before? Oh, for sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit, I'm kind of, I kind of go zero to a hundred type of thing. I'm either one way or the other way. I'm not really in the middle. Um, <laughs> and it's not always my, not always a great thing for me. Um, but I think that when society tells me to do something or to wear, to do some, to wear makeup, to do whatever, I go the complete opposite. And I'm like, nope, don't want to do that because that, I don't want to do it because society tells me to do it, which probably is a good reason um, either. Um, but yeah, I put, I've got a lot of pushback from wearing, I wear sandals in the rain because rainbow sandals in California are really cool. You wear rainbow sandals in Texas, I don't even know what those are. I mean, Chacos in Texas, cool. Chocolate Ooh. California, what are you wearing? Um, so just, I mean, from going home to here in holidays, let alone, like I said, going to Africa. And and I think I talk a lot. I, I try to, I think in the past, try to prove my worth to a lot of people by mm. telling them, you know, oh yeah, well, I was really good in basketball. Or, you know, I'm doing really well in, in school. Or, you know, I have a full-time job when I graduate. Boost my resume to people to, to prove to them that I'm worthy. Um, but we boost sometimes the wrong things. I mean, you boast to, to like I said, when I'm in Africa, I say, I'm going to boast that I was on the varsity basketball team in high school. Oh, cool. I play soccer every day outside. You know, I mean, they, 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 <laughs> it, it doesn't. Um, and, or things like that. I mean, it's, it's just so, and I, again, I've seen it all the time and I fall, I fall, I fall to it a lot too. I fall to that. Oh, maybe I should buy Lulu Lulu leggings because those are so cool, you know. Um, and I do like Lulus, but partially because they are comfortable and last a long time. But yes. I, think, I think it's the intention behind it in the first place. Of are you are you buying those to prove your worth, or are mm. you buying those to to because you want them as a person? So I think it comes down to those intentions. Wow, that and, whew, that was really good, and that's actually a really good point because um, for a lot of well accomplished, successful people, um, whether they're basketball player, whether they're whatever, they, it, it seems like formula of like successful people. The psychology is, you know, there was something that was missing. You know, MJ, right? Man, one of the greatest basketball players to ever live but driven by a chip on his shoulder because he didn't make the varsity basketball team. Mm -hmm. Got cut, whatever. Elon, <laughs> genius. Um, but, you know, like, there's, it seems like there's, like, always, like, a, a tweak of having to try to prove that we're worthy or to prove that we um, want to accomplish it because we have to feel we have to be accepted. Mm -hmm. So with that tension, like, how do you not, try to break away and not try to get too sucked. I mean, of course we're human, so you know we're, yeah. we're, we're going to fall, but, um, but try to do your best to protect yourself from trying to continue to say that, Hey, I did this and you should, whatever you should accept. Me, yeah. You know, I think that goes down to a really good conversation I had um, in class actually last week. I'm in an advanced leadership class, um, which is an amazing class. The first section was on women and leadership. Second section was on race and leadership. And now we're talking about grit and resilience in your twenties. Um, and I mean, it's just a wonderful class. Um, I think it goes down to, to the difference between grit and stubbornness. So grit is, you know, wanting to persevere and, and getting up after your knockdown and, and continuing on. And stubbornness is I'm going to do this because my worth is dependent on it. Right. And I'm going to, I'm going to do this not because 
stubbornness, I think, is is you see a path, right? And grit is, okay, how many different ways can I get around this, this obstacle, right? I, I need to get on. How many ways can I do it? And I think stubbornness is I need to get on. I need to figure out a way to drive through this obstacle. And I think there's a difference of stubbornness is I'm going on this path and no one's going to change me. And it's pride. And grit is I'm going to succeed, not because if I fail, I'm not worthy, but I'm going to succeed because I want to, and I want to prove to myself more than prove to others. Um, And I think that that's like the main thing is it all comes down to like how you really, again, what your intentions are in your heart. And that, that comes to a lot of um, emotional intelligence on your own, on your own self. Um, And then I think have, once you have those, once you know what your intentions are and you're truthful with those, then you can move on because you can, you can tell when someone isn't truthful with themselves and they're, and they, they don't seem as um, genuine. I mean, um, yeah. they're doing it for society, for culture. And, and it, you need to sit with yourself and figure out what your intentions are. Why you want that job? Do you want that job because it's money and it's status? Or do you want that job because that's somewhere where you can make a difference and you can see yourself succeeding and you will feel fulfilled. I mean, those are different right. scenarios. So, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm not sure if you know him, um, but he's a philosopher, um, or a modern philosopher, um, angel investor. His name is Naval Ravikant. Um, so he was the one that came up with the founder of angelist. And one of his top advice for people is do not fall into the status game of life. Mm. Um, whether it's a blue check on IG, whether mm-hmm. it's like, you know, verification, whether it's this amount of followers. Uh, we're definitely living in a time where there's a lot of ex, um, external validation continuing to stimulate our, our brains, you know, mm-hmm. stimulating our, um, getting the term, but, ah, and I'm a neuroscience major, LOL. <laughs> um, right. But, you know, we have the dopamine release. And then after that, we have mm-hmm. the release of the serotonin. And we have so many things that, mm-hmm. and, and so now, um, it, but like, it's so tough. It is super hard mm-hmm. not to do that. And, yeah. um, so what are, like, what are, some, what are the top two things, uh, top two things that you do not to try to fall into that trap? Yeah. Um, first I think is not, not going on autopilot, right? So not, not, okay, well, I feel a craving towards this or I, you know, not driven, not. I wouldn't say stay away from emotions because emotions are super powerful and good, but letting emotions control your decisions um, is really important. It is not letting that autopilot of, I don't want to say laziness, but you wake up, you know, I feel like having some whatever instead of some, I feel like having some cinnamon toast crunch instead of some eggs, you know, I mean, that's the autopilot. That's the decision you make every single day of, you know, I'm going to eat healthy. And that same thing with culture of, I'm going to make the decision right now that, that I don't really care if, if my outfit doesn't fit in. I'm not saying stand out and wear whatever, you know, but I'm not saying, you know, you just don't need to put that much effort on it. So consciously making those decisions of what are my intentions and how can I go for my heart and my intentions, my morals and portray those out um, rather than that, that autopilot. And I think um, two is the spotlight effect in psychology um, is that you, in fact, you think that people are watching you at all times and they care about what you're doing at all times. And um, the, the reality of it is it's not. I mean, you can ask five of your friends, hey, what did I wear yesterday? 
I guarantee you maybe would get your shirt right. Like no one knows what, what brand your jeans were last week. Um, <laughs> right? like, it's the spotlight effect though, is you, you deem yourself as people are watching you at all times and care. Um, yeah. And the reality is of it is, is yeah, they're going to care more about how you make them feel than what you said to them, what you wore, what you do for a living. Even if you meet somebody yeah. at the supermarket and you come home and you're like, you know, honey, I had a great talk at the supermarket. What was their name? I don't remember. What were they wearing? Couldn't tell you that either. You know? But it made me feel good. It made me feel connected, right? So that's right. what they. That's what you're gonna remember. Um, and so just remembering that of of connection and emotion is way more important and is gonna last longer in people's brains um, psychologically too than um, than the than what they see because you only you're only gonna remember things that are important to you. So if you. Right. See, if, if you see somebody at the supermarket, you're not going to remember what shoes they wore unless they're important to you, but most of the time they're not. Um, and so, yeah. And wow. The, whoo, you said a lot of great stuff. <laughs> shout out. I know that I know that quote that shout out uh, Miss Maya Angelo, rest in peace to one of the greats who said that, you know, most people, uh, people will remember how you make them feel rather than what, what you do, who you are. Yeah. And, that, and that is a fact because that just, then again, I remember hearing that for the very first time. You know, everybody here is like, okay, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I mean, like just that biblical principle, not even just evidence in Christianity, but also Taoism, Hinduism, mm -hmm. Buddhism. That's just a universal law, a universal rule yeah. of just, again, you know, human hu um, humanity, writing it down, humanity showing that longevity of that connection and you being able to interact and touching with that person, how you make them feel emotionally, how you are continue to, what type of impact that we're mm -hmm. having upon them. Because, you know, like no matter what, um, I remember watching this video and it says in your life, you are, you will on average, an average person's in their life is going to influence over 70,000 people. Wow. Like your whole entire life, yeah. right? Now yeah. imagine this. 70,000 people, if you were just to live an average life. Yeah. Now, that's hyperinflated because of this thing. Mm -hmm. And this. And, you know, crazy. And I know everybody has a kind of like a bad term of, I mean, shoot, even so, I, I have to rewire this mind about being yeah. like an influencer or whatever. Because it's mm -hmm. like, ah, you know, like, why should I be given influence? I don't have a huge platform. I don't have a huge mm -hmm. of that. This us walking daily is going to influence somebody to do something good or influence somebody to do to something yeah. bad. And I think that's the epitome of leadership. So my question for you is being a leader, especially a leader, a woman in leadership, one, mm -hmm. why do you feel like that is important? And mm -hmm. two, what, uh, what kind of weight do you have when it comes to influence? Like, what does that yeah. mean for you? Yeah. Um, so women as a leader, um, which shout out to all the women who are doing great things in leadership. Um, I, it's hard. I mean, I, I, no one's ever going to say that, that women in leadership is the same thing as men in leadership because it's not because right. women go through a lot. Um, and I'm not going to speak to my roommate, but I know right now she's going through a whole thing with, she did, she's doing really well in her professional field and people are saying that it was because she's sleeping with other people you know, others to get to that position, which is untrue. It, it's like, why can't she just be good at her job? Right. Why is that even a factor? And, um, mm. But yeah, in my, in my experience, I mean, women in leadership, people, and whether that's, whether it's because women feel this way or because it's really is true, 
is when you are in a position, you feel like you are representing your entire gender. So if you were the only woman in a workroom, right, and you say something dumb, they're going to automatically think that, oh, all women shouldn't think that way. Or all this is why, or you get emotional. Oh, all women are emotional or all whatever. I mean, um, and again, whether that's actually true, whether that's the way women just feel, I mean, it still is valid and still reflects on why, why women are in and a lot of leadership positions. Um, and there's, there's so many things, I mean, um, that go into women in leadership, but one of the main things I see is, is towing the line between being compassionate, empathetic, loving the, the things that people love in women, but also being a leader, also being strict and respected and things like that. Um, you go too far one way, even just a little bit. I mean, you're either seen as, as too hard, too cold, you know, not, not loving or anything like that, or you're seen as too soft and people can push you over. So finding that balance is really hard for women in the workplace workplace and also women in leadership of kind of finding that balance. Um, and two, I think that as much as I deal with, you know, I guess, um, women discrimination and things like that, I mean, I'm also a white woman. Um, and so I have so much privilege in that. I'm a white woman. Both my parents are educated. I'm from a, a, a decent town. I go to a private college. Um, I mean, there's some privilege in all of that. Um, and I had, uh, there's a thing called unpacking your invisible knapsack. Um, and it's a little, like, I guess it just, it has a bunch of tips for why she feels that she's privileged and you can go. And I went through it and was like, Yes, 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 yes. And one of the things it says was that it really hit me because I, I think I know a lot about this. I know I'm privileged and things like that. But one of the things that really stood out to me was it said, you know, it talks about, you know, police mishandlings and things like that. But one of the things I never thought of, it said, if I'm having a bad day, bad week, bad month, bad year, I never have to question if it's because of the color of my skin. And I was like, wow, I mean, that's really something I never thought about. Like when I have a bad day or a bad month or a bad year or whatever, bad season in my life, I never ask like, oh, maybe it's because of the color of my skin, right? Because I don't have to deal with that. Uh, and I'm so privileged in that way. Um, and, or if, if, if I don't get along with somebody, I chalk it up to my personality. I chalk it up to, I talk too much. I was too loud. I, you know, whatever. Never once do I chalk it up to, oh, you know, maybe they are a little racist. You know, maybe they honestly don't like me because of my skin color. And that's privilege in and of itself. I mean, I can go on and on with that. Um, but with with my privilege, I need to be speaking up, right? I mean, it's the same thing with men in the workforce that we ask so many times is of, if you're not going to put women in leadership positions, you need to be the ones, you need to be the allies. The men in those rooms need to be the allies for those women, right? Unless, until we can get women an equal number of people in leadership, we need those allies. And that's how I feel the same way now is until we can elevate minorities to be the same, until people can at least see them as, as equal and equitable, um, I need to be the ally, right? I need to be using my privilege to fight for these things, but it doesn't stop there because it's, it's, it's not enough to say you're not racist. You have to be anti-racist, right? So I don't know if you've, there's a whole book on how to be anti-racist. That's amazing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it talks all about it. And, and the, one of the main things it says is this is a systematic problem, right? Mm -hmm. 
the United States was built on systemic racism. My using my me just using my privilege and, and fighting it isn't going to help until we have policies put in place that can end the systematic and systemic racism. Um, and so, if policies make it happen, policies need to help revert it too. Um, and so, I think that that's like the main thing that I'm at least trying to do in my life is is yeah, I might fight face some some trouble as women in the workplace, and I'm not going to say that, that that's not an issue. But I also right. am. And I'm privileged in a lot of ways. And how can I use that way to influence people and then eventually influence policy? Because that's what really needs to change in this in this nation. Sorry, right, that was a little right. I guess. <laughs> no, no, actually, actually, you know, that <laughs> that's actually, you know, it was like, what would you like to see change in the United States? And I feel like that that in itself um was a great answer. And you know, you said a lot of great stuff about it, and and it. You know, it's kind of hard because, you know, um, I really am doing my best. And of course, you know, I'm me as a black man in America, African, but of course, you know, understanding my privilege, like my ability to, you know, speak, my ability to be able, my ability to be a man, my privilege in that. And it's sometimes, you know, there's this, like, I I'm noticing in my life, there's this tiptoeness of, um, you know, understanding my privilege but also not trying to be guilty because, you know, a lot of people do try to persecute people like, so you are privileged. You yeah. need to bow down and whatever. Yeah. And also people say, okay, you know what? Like, you, I'm, I don't want um, dealing with shame and guilt mm -hmm. about like, ah, oh, man, me as a man, like how can I support black yeah. women? How can I support all my, all my women? Oh, me being an able-bodied person. How am I able to utilize my voice or my platform or like my money or my resources in order to help people that are unseen or whatever. And that's what was my full in my, uh, my earnest and my honest intention of creating this um, little podcast. Well, Lord, please forgive me. Not little, but like this talk show, right? It's a talk show. I forget podcast. It's a talk show. This talk show in order to continue to put this on because I know that, hey, I've had an opportunity to be in leadership. I've had an opportunity to be in different rooms and talk with different people that some people may not even get a chance to. But it's like, well, instead of saying that and using that to boast and try to prove, again, what your previous point, try to prove that, hey, man, I'm worthy. Look what I'm doing. It's like, yeah. no, how am I able to flip it and continue to be of service and be like, hey, you know what? Hey, I know you. Would you love to come on this? And I want your opinion. I want you to be able to talk. I want you to be able to see how relatable you are. I want you to see like these thoughts and these ideas that we're moving and that we're living in. And, and I, I, that was such a beautiful and eloquent response in what you said. But then on the on the caveat, mm -hmm. people say like, oh, anti-racism is like, would you say that like some people anti-racism is racism? Because I've 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 read stuff on from that's that's more of like a right wing ideology, and I'm like, yeah. okay, that's that's and, and definitely and you know, not saying like oh never what they're saying is wrong because you gotta keep into intact of their humanity and their like okay, what are they saying? Hmm, I don't know, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think it also comes down to just like being slow to speak and quick to listen um, and, and being empathetic and being humble. And, and those, I think when you take those together, um, that can really change a lot of things in this world of being like, why do you believe that? And, and not trying to refute everything that they say, but, you know, sitting on your hands, maybe and being like, oh, and not being like, that's so wrong. No, nope, that's wrong. That's from a different news source. That's not right. That's but being like, oh, I can see why you believe that, right? But and and yeah. seek to be seek to understand before seeking to be understood. Um, and once you take that humble approach, then you're like, honestly, we agree on most points. But the main thing we don't agree on is this. And 
okay, I see your point. Tell me more, right? Invite them in. Tell me more. Tell me why you think that. Was that because that's how you've been grown up? Is that how, is that because of your faith? Is that because of what? Ask, ask questions, not at them, but, but inviting them in. Um, right. And talk about some things. I mean, I think the whole thing where people think anti-racism is racism um, is because they don't, I mean, I won't say they don't know enough about it, but if you read the book at all, how to be anti-racist, it's not saying that one race is, is inferior. I mean, that's the opposite of being anti-racist. They're saying we need to do more. Um, and we're not to, if, if this is a discrepancy in, in, in races, it's not saying to bring one down to our level. It's saying, okay, how can we bring both of them together, right? It's never, it's never together. It's how can we bring them together? Um, because that's the whole point is, is the equality and the equity. Right, right, so good. That's good. Man, guys, she's gonna give a TED talk in the future. Like, um, no, it is November fifth, twenty twenty, uh, at four fifty EST. Where I'm at three fifty EST, where she's at. And I just want to say that you know, right here, right now, don't be surprised and look in the next decade that you're gonna see Emily on a TED stage giving a TED talk because she, um, yeah, she's gonna do it like without a doubt, like. It's gonna happen. We're speaking into existence, but no, I really think that um, I really think you will because you are so eloquent in the way that you are continuing to, you know, put this empathy, put this passion, um, you and your communication skills, and being able to present an argument, um, and like this is just casual too, right? We just casual talking. Imagine like you know, you gotta be prepared, or whatever. Like no, yeah. it is going to happen. Like it's without a doubt, it will happen. When I run for but, president, will you be my vice president? Uh no, because <laughs> I don't want to be I don't want to be president VP. I don't want to be I don't want to be involved in that. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. Oh man, but this is so cool. Um, so of course you know I want to be very respectful of your time because I know you're busy. But um, my this is now of course the bigger question. But um, talk about how you got a job. You got a job. <laughs> So starting January 4th, I'll be working for Sendero Management Consulting Firm in Dallas, Texas. Um, I will be a Sendero and I'm so excited. Um, I love the company, love what they stand for um, and their core values. Um, so yeah, I got a job doing management consulting. So I'll be using my psychology skills, my leadership development skills, as well as some business knowledge and as well as me learning a lot of business knowledge um, to help make organizations work and function better. Um, which is kind of what I'm all about. So I'm really excited for it. Well, I guess, uh, did you ever, because I remember like earlier when I, when I were in school and you were yeah. kind of a little bit like worried, like, uh, I don't know, grad school. I don't know. Like, yeah. you know, what? I, I don't know. Yeah. So what kind of happened was I was applying for grad schools and jobs and kind of just throwing everything out there, especially in the time of COVID of what can I get? Um, and got pretty deep in some PhD processes too. Uh, thinking about that a lot. And um thinking about masters, thinking about, yeah, jobs and Sendero. I didn't really know about anything about the company, just kind of applied. One thing I learned a lot in my leadership classes is even if you don't feel qualified, apply. Um, yeah. And that's one thing that separates a lot of women from getting jobs is there's a study that says if men have nine out of the 10 traits, or if, sorry, if, if men have five out of the 10 traits, they will apply for a job when women feel that they need all 10 to apply. Um mm. That's one thing I, that I saw and I was like, well, I don't, I'm not a business major. I don't know management consulting. Um, 
kind of applied, put it out there and ended up getting a call back for an interview. It was like, yeah, I'll do it. Through the processes, learn more about the company on Google searches or talking to the company or speaking with associates. Um, and was like, this is what, this is what I want to do. Um, ended up having my last interview on Thursday. Got, they said two weeks, got the job on Friday, uh, which was crazy. Um, and then accepted it on Saturday. Just really felt like it was where God was pulling me to. And, um, who knows, I might get my master's or PhD later down the road, but going to take this job offer right now and see how much work and see how much, um, love I can pour into it until, um, until I run out, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and honestly, that is such a blessing, especially during this COVID time. So like, without a doubt, again, my, my earnest congratulations on, because woo, I mean, I know, I know a little, well, actually, no, I'm not gonna say that. Um, the consultant came hard. You know, you have to do the case studies. You have to understand like different structures. You have to understand like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And it's just so amazing to see that, you know, from somebody that had no experience, but again, you know, you putting your skills to set, your willingness to be like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to jump in. I don't know what's going on. I'm casting a wide net. Your optimism, I'm going to go. I'm just, that's, that's what you're going to do. And you, know, you jumped into it and, you know, you figured out and you found a way. Yeah. And wow, like, Let's go. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Tananga. All right. Well, so these are the last questions that I got. I always usually ask my guests. Uh, my first question for you is, um, what are three things that you would tell to your freshman yourself? Freshman college, freshman high school. Freshman college. Freshman so that's college. 18, 19, 18. Yeah. Yeah. Three things. Um, that's a good one. Um, don't worry so much on grades. I worried a lot <laughs> on grades. Um, and I think I still am trying to not worry so much because yes, it matters that you that you learn the material, but and yes, it matters that you pass your classes, but there's a balance in that of not not stressing to study for the tests, but but getting the information that that this class has out of it. Um, so finding that balance um, to um, I would say, I guess don't worry about friends as much. Um, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself of, oh my gosh, you need to join this group or you need to be friends with these groups of people so that you can, you know, have a good college life. Um, and it's okay. I think, I guess telling myself it's okay on a Friday night to not go out and to sleep in and on Saturday and to not, you know, Friday, it's okay to, to not have plans. It's okay to just to watch Netflix on a Friday night. That doesn't make you lame or a loser for not having plans. Um, that was one thing. Um, and then I guess my third thing is super cheesy. Uh, date Michael sooner because he's the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> yeah, guys. Um, I'm not sure if you guys, uh, well, you know, she will still include her social media if she wants to. And her and her boyfriend are so cute. Shout out. Shout out to them. <laughs> amazing amazing um so wow that's some good tips and now my last question for you is what do you want your legacy to be yeah i hope again i hope people just when when they hear my name in whatever 50 years that that if if i knew them that they remembered that that i made them feel well um that that they were like yeah she always put a smile on my face or she always was there for me or she always um, was, was whatever. And then I hope that beyond that, that I can 
can heal this world a little bit and heal heal these the United States a little bit into um I guess just just pressing on into um and, and coming more united as a group of people. So I guess that's it. Wow. Man, that, that was that was awesome. You said some really great stuff. I really enjoyed this. And you know how I end the show is I always want to make sure that um you know do leave a little bit of something for somebody else to carry on forward. Um so this is my favorite segment of the show. It's called Black Men Get to Speak. Because you know, you and I both know in James 3, or is it James 3 or James 2? Uh, James 2, 26, life and death um, comes from the tongue. And mm-hmm. so speaking life is super important. So here we go. Emily, you're so cultured, dog. <laughs> uh, inside joke for those who um, aren't, um, aren't privy to it. But Emily, I just want to say first off, um, I am just want to say that I'm so proud of you. I'm so, so proud of the work that you put in. I'm so proud of, um, what you embody and who you are. Um, the very first thing that, you know, was always jumped out was your enthusiasm, your optimism, and just your encouragement. And, you know, you, what you say that you want your legacy to be is you actively are living in it. And I pray that, you know, you will continue to do that. And you will, because that's who you are. And that's who you've been created to be. You know, Cali girl, low key, you know, like free. But then, of course, with a mixture of hard work, dedication, determination. And um, it's just so amazing just to see how far and how much you have grown. Um, just see like who you are becoming, the woman that God has created you to be. And I just want to say, man, I am rooting for you all the way. I cannot wait for all the great things and all the success that you continue to bring forth to everybody. Pray that, you know, um, people that are listening to this podcast will be able to see like your light and how, you know, you are just filled with hope. And of course, you know, that hope is just not a human hope, but of course, it's a hope from an eternal source, like, you know, a source of eternity. But, you know, that people who, you know, you around differentiate with people who are different from you and mm-hmm. that you continue to just grow that infinitely. So I'm super proud to know you. I'm so blessed to have you as a friend. I'm so blessed to, you know, to catch up with you. And I'm so grateful for just your being. So I love you so much, dog. You're amazing. And uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Where can they find you at? Um, you can find me at, at Emily Hertenstein on Instagram. Um, I don't really use Twitter as much, but you can probably find me there too as well. And then at LinkedIn, um, I will type out my last name because it's super hard to spell. So there's that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, everybody. That is it for this episode of Campus Cuts. Hope you enjoyed. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, follow, share this, whatever you got to do. Follow all what I'm at at Tanaka Tava on all platforms and then at Campus Cuts Pod. That is it. Thank you to the host. Thank you guys so much. You're amazing. We are out. Thank you so much for taking a chance to listen slash watch the podcast episode. Super grateful for all your support. Make sure you follow us on social media at Campus Cuts Pod. Be able to check out the YouTube, um, Twitch, and as well as Twitter, Periscope live streams. If you want to have a chance to get the replay, make sure you share it to your friends, families, significant others, and anybody that is interested in listening to authentic conversations with great guests and people. Make sure you do that. Thanks so much for all the help. Tap in. Have a blessed day.